Well, last week we started a series in the Proverbs. We were in Proverbs 1, and we talked about how wisdom is one of the keys to happiness. In fact, Proverbs 3.13 says, happy is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Happy is the person who finds wisdom. And so a lot of times I think that we can think that wisdom is like this, uh, this duty that we just have to, oh, I need to make better decisions so that my parents won't be mad at me or so that God won't be mad at me. And that's not it at all. God is saying, look, if you'll pursue wisdom, I will make you happier than you've ever been in your entire lives. I mean, you'll be, you'll be happy. Like, you remember the bear that we showed last week? How many of you guys remember my bear? Look at that happy bear. That is my kind of bear. But that's the kind of happiness that God wants to give each and every one of us, where we're just chilling in nature in our home with him, maybe eating some salmon, getting some salmon blood and guts all over our face because we're just in our elements. I mean, you got to like use, it's a metaphor, so don't actually have salmon blood and guts in your face, but you get it. Like we're, we're in our element when we are walking in wisdom. We find happiness because God designed us to know him and to be with him and to hear from him, to hear his wisdom. And so this week, we're going to continue in the wisdom series. So we're going to continue in our series in Proverbs. And I was inspired this week by uh, something that happened a few weeks ago. So my family and I, we went to Galveston for a few days during Fourth of July weekend. That's my family. That's my dog's butt. But that's the family right there. I mean, I just want you all to take a moment and appreciate. I'm in full-on dad mode here. Like, I got... I got the sun hat, I got the sun shirt, I'm not getting burned, no chance, no how. The only thing I'm missing is like a patch of white sunscreen on my nose, but like, I'm just, I'm rocking the dad life, and I just want to brag on myself. I mean, can you get much cooler than that? I don't think so. We were in Galveston for a few days, it was amazing, but it was all of our kids' first times to be at the beach. Like, they'd never experienced the beach before, so it was so cool just getting to see them enjoy it and, and like be in awe of these giant waves that are coming at them. But Noelle, my little baby, right there that Lindsay's holding, if you'll notice where she's looking in this picture, she's not looking at the camera, she's not looking at me, she's not looking at Lindsay, she's looking at the beach. That's where her heart was all week, was I just want to be in the water. And it was Noelle's first time at the beach, and that girl was fearless, like absolutely fearless. I had to, to so many times save her from drowning because she would just like dart off into the water. We tried to put her in this floaty device that like she could just sit in and relax in the waves. And she tried to like lean out of it and face plant it in the water. And she would be whining and screaming like, get me out of this thing. And, and she wasn't happy until she was free. She had complete freedom, complete control over her own enjoyment of the beach. Well, there was one point where we were on the beach, and, and Lindsay and, and the kids, uh, Mark and Layla, were, were hanging out there, and Noelle and I walk over kind of towards the side of, the, uh, of where Lindsay is, and Noelle looks up at me and then just makes a beeline into the water, and, and here's, here's what follows. Good. Check out this video. I think she's gonna win. 
Judge Determination. Nice. I, I got to lose four. That girl wants to be in the water. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not going to go in, Dad. Psych! I'm going in. <laughs> And she was Not sad. Oh, and again. There was like 15 minutes straight of her trying to get around me. And then she would do that thing where she like, she walked away like, oh, I'm not going to go in. And then she would see I was turning away and be like, oh, here we go. This child was so persistent to try and get her way. And I was experiencing this, and I was watching my, my baby, and I was like, man, this is, this is a sermon. Like, this is, this is preaching to me right here as I'm watching my child try to get around me, try to push me out of the way, and me trying to prevent her from killing herself. Like, she doesn't realize that if I let her have complete freedom on the beach in the waves, that she is literally going to drown. Like, she can't, she can't, pull herself out of a wave. Like, she can't swim. She can't do any of those things. She doesn't even know how to hold her breath. And so if she goes underwater, she's inhaling seawater like that. And so what I'm having to do is, is be the, the barrier. I'm having to be the bad guy and say, no, this is not good for you. I'm not going to let you go in the water. And as I was experiencing this, I was thinking, man, how many of us do the same thing with God? Like that, that is so many of us, myself included, with God. We see something that we want, we're like, I'm going for it, and I don't care what it costs, I don't care, God, what you have to say, I'm going for it, no matter what, and God is just standing there like, nope, nope, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't go there, don't do it, and we get frustrated with him, we get mad at him because he's not giving us what we want. Well, is God trying to rob us of joy? Was I trying to rob Noel of happiness there on the beach? It's like, Noel, you, you can't be happy here. You, if, if you want to be happy, then you're going to have to just sit in this cage and do nothing. No, I'm, I'm not trying to, to rob her of happiness. I'm trying to, to save her. I'm trying to protect her. I'm trying to give her something better than what she thinks she wants. If she pursues what she wants in that moment... She's going to die. And so many of us pursue the things that we want in spite of what God has to say. And so many of us are experiencing death as a result. I am one of those people. All the time, I, I'm having to, to recognize man, I am not pursuing God's way here. I, I'm not obeying what God has to say, and yep, I'm experiencing the consequences of that. I, I'm thinking about, back to this past uh, week. Well, before that, there's this, this Bible verse that says, before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but at the end of that road, death and destruction wait. Here in, here in Proverbs, it says, Before every person lies a road that seems to be right, but at the end of that road, death and destruction wait. Meaning that, that to our eyes, to our, our, our eyes in the moment, we're looking at it and we're like, this is good. This is right. This is fun. This is going to bring me happiness. This is going to bring me joy. This is going to bring me contentment. 
And God's saying, be careful. At the end of that road, death and destruction wait for you. I experienced this principle this past week. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 19, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Well, this week, I got an opportunity to either obey the Lord in this or disobey the Lord in this. And I failed miserably. It was, it was so bad. So, Lindsay and I, we had a disagreement. And instead of responding in kindness and in gentleness and in patience, I responded in complete defensiveness and anger, and I was like, how dare you say that to me? I can't believe you would disagree with what I have to say. And the fight lasted for hours and hours and hours. Like, it just drug on and on and on. If I had obeyed God's command in that moment, man, I would have had a, a night of, of peace and enjoyment, and I could have, could have you know, eaten a, a good meal with my wife. Instead, I skipped dinner because I just wanted to, I'm mad, and I don't want to do it. Isn't that right, Lindsay? That was basically what I did. God's command to me to love my wife and not treat her harshly was not to rob me of joy. It's not like God was like, love your wife so that you will have zero fun. You will have zero happiness in your life. No, God, God's saying, Kalen, my boy, love your wife, because if you love her, you'll experience peace. You'll experience a, a, an intimate relationship, a, a good friendship. Don't be harsh with her, because that just drives her away, and that's not what you want. You want her close to you. You want to have a good relationship with her. That's God's commands for us are not to rob us of happiness. God's commands for us are to give us our highest happiness, our greatest joy. So like Noel, like me, is there any area of your life that you're trying to skirt God's commands? Is there any of your life that, that God is telling you one thing and, and you're pridefully saying, nope, God, I know better. I'm going to do it my own way. Maybe it's a a relationship that God is telling you, don't pursue that. Don't do it. I know you want to. I know it looks right to you, but it's going to end in death. Maybe it's a, a bad relationship. Maybe it's an addiction that you think, and it's not that bad. It's not hurting me that bad. It seems right. The world tells me it's right. The world tells me it's okay. And God's saying, son, daughter, don't go that way. You think it seems right in the moment, but I guarantee it's going to end in death. I'm trying to save you from death. Each of us has things in our lives that, that we think are right, that seem right to us in the moment. But God's warning us here as a loving father. And if you continue going that way, it's going to end in death and destruction. You know, humans have been wrong all throughout history. I think because uh, we're alive right now, I think it's just a principle of human nature that we believe 100% that everything that we hear is correct, like everything that we know, everything we believe is correct. But just because we believe something is correct and right, just because society tells us something is right, doesn't mean 
that it's right. I mean, you think about until the 1500s, that's a lot of history before that. Until the 1500s, everyone just generally knew for sure, without any doubt, that the earth was the center of the universe. Like this, this is the ancient Greeks depiction of our solar system, was that the earth was ginormous, and then you have you know, the moon orbiting around it, which, which that part they got right, good job. But then they have the sun orbiting around the earth, they, the, all these planets orbiting around the earth. They believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that the earth was the center of the universe. Well, we know that that's incorrect nowadays. The solar system actually is all revolving around the sun, that, that big ball of fire in the sky. Yeah, we all revolve around that. But it's not even that we're not the center of our solar system. We're not even the center of our galaxy. Like, look at the Milky Way galaxy. We're revolving around this giant ball of fire in the Milky Way galaxy. And just FYI, that little yellow circle you can see there, that's the stars we can see at night. And that is one of billions of galaxies. The size of this universe is incredible, which points to the size and the majesty and the glory of this God that is telling us these things. So scientists have been wrong all throughout history. People have been wrong all throughout history. And until 1850, they believed that washing hands didn't prevent any diseases. And so this guy came along, and after they had been using dirty hands... So they were, they were um, dealing with dead bodies, and then they would go right from dealing with the dead body, like putting it in the grave, to, all right, now it's time to deliver a baby. And they wouldn't wash their hands in between, because they're like, no, it's not important. And so this guy named Similarweiss in 1850 was like, hey, um, I don't know, just a thought. Maybe after we handle the dead bodies, we should like wash our hands before delivering babies and it might prevent all these babies from dying and having these, these crazy illnesses. And, and lo and behold, it, it happened. Like, now doctors wash their hands, which I'm so grateful for. Thank you, Lord, that doctors wash their hands now. But now, because they realized this idea that we're clinging to is so dumb. We get to wash hands and have a lot more life. We don't have as much sickness, as much illness, all because... This idea changed. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, just 150 years ago, people thought it was totally fine to own other people as property. They thought it was totally fine to settle disputes with a, a gunfight in the street. They thought it was, it was totally fine to, to like, have eight-year-olds working in, in factories with these heavy machineries. Like, this was, this was not that long ago, 100 years ago, maybe. We have been wrong all throughout history, even though we believe that we are 100% correct. So how much is society wrong on today? And probably more than we realize. I mean, you listen to that verse. God is saying there is a path before each person that seems right. It seems true. It seems right. But it ends in death. And so in our culture nowadays, what, what are some things that, that seem right but end in death? Well, we're going to hit on, I think, one of the, the main ones as we continue our sermon. We're, we're going to narrow in to pride. 
Now, what is pride? The definition of pride is arrogance, having an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities, believing oneself better than others. Now, society would never come out and blatantly say that this is okay. They're like, yes, everyone for arrogance, follow me. No one would say that because they don't want to appear to be arrogant. But subtly, over and over and over again, each of us is hearing the message that being arrogant, being prideful is good. And it's the only way to find success in this life. I mean, you think about... Our generation, mine included, we are the, the selfie generation. I mean, look at selfie sticks. This is like, they sell hundreds of millions of dollars a year of selfie sticks. Now, it's a useful tool, and it's helpful, but it's indicative of the problem in our generation, that we are so concerned with having the perfect angle of our face and making sure all the lighting is correct, and that, that we're willing to spend millions of dollars a year to get the right picture. Like, and no condemnation if any of you have a selfie stick. I have one at home, but, but we're all in this together. We're struggling with this together. What else is there? Like, the, the pride of this generation, I think, is so indicative of, of our social media love. Like, and I know this one hurts. This one hurts, hurts a lot of us. Think about how much time and effort and money is spent on getting more likes on social media. Getting more followers on social media. And the promise out there that society is telling us is that if you get more likes, if you get more followers, if you get more people paying attention to you, then you'll be happy. And it always leaves us wanting. It always leaves us unsatisfied. You think about, you post a, a picture and, and it gets all these likes and all these views and, and it's exciting for a little bit, but then it wears off and it's like, oh man, do people even remember me? Man, I'm going to have to do more. I'm going to have to do better. I'm going to have to be more interesting so that people will love me. And that, that's the message that the society is sending us day in and day out. And then I think about, I, I, I want to call this guy the poster child, the poster man of arrogance. Kanye West is just a ridiculous human being. And Kanye, if you're listening, I'm sorry, because you know, he listens to all these sermons. He said one time, I am my favorite musician. And my greatest pain in life is that I'll never be able to see myself perform live. This is Kanye West. He's like, I am so amazing. My greatest pain in life is not that my children might die or not that, that my wife might leave me. Like, none of these things are his greatest. His greatest pain in life is that I'm the greatest musician in life. I can't believe I don't get to see myself perform live. What a loss. What a loss. And like the poster child of arrogance. But so many of us are listening to society's cues and society's hints on pride that even though we look at that and we're like, man, that's ridiculous. 
subtly those things are, are seeping into our minds, into our hearts, and we're thinking, man, if I can just be lifted up, if people would just see how cool I am, see how amazing I am, if they would see how great I am, then I would be happy. And the Bible, which has stood the test of time for thousands of years, the Bible tells us that that just leads to death. That ends in death. Searching for our own glory, our own self-praise, always leads to death. And so, in what way are we like Noel in pride? Well, if we give in to pride, if we push God out of the way and run into the ocean of pride, man, we're going to drown. They, they say that pride is the root of all sin. And if we give in to pride, if we become a people that are okay with the pride in our own lives, if I am okay with the pride in my own life, man, I am going to experience so much death. And I have experienced so much death because of it. Anytime that I experience uh, depression or I experience anger or I experience unforgiveness, like anytime I'm experiencing these, these negative emotions, anxiety, it's because of my pride. It's because I'm looking to myself and not to the God that made me. I'm not looking to others around me. How can I serve them? How can I love them? God is trying to protect us from pride because pride is poison. Pride keeps us from growing in our character. It says that I'm okay right here and I don't, I don't need to get better. I don't need to grow. I don't need to change. Pride pushes others away. I mean, you think about the, the most prideful people that you know. Do you want to hang around them? Do you want to be around them? No, it's like, I'm going to go the other direction. Pride hurts those that we love. Just like I hurt my wife this past week because I was a jerk to her because of my own arrogance and pride. Most importantly, pride keeps us away from God. Pride keeps us away from God, and God is our supreme happiness. When we are close to God, when we are obeying God, when we're hearing from Him, we have a, a rich relationship with Him, we get to experience the most joyful state we could ever experience because like we talked about last week we were made to be with God we were made to know God to love him to be close to him let's just go through some verses that God is warning us about pride Psalm 10 4 the wicked are too proud to seek God they seem to think that God is dead so pride keeps us from seeking God James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God's not going to let us succeed in our pride because if, it, if he allowed us to succeed in our arrogance, then we would just continue in it. So he's like, no, he, just like me in the ocean, he's going to oppose us until we humble ourselves and listen to him and listen to what he has to say. Proverbs 16, 5, this one's, this one's rough. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. And God is warning us in no uncertain terms, don't allow pride to reign in your life because it will kill you. There is death and destruction at the end of the road of arrogance. 
And so if it's so dangerous, we should probably be on guard against it, right? Like if God is warning us, hey, don't do this thing. Don't allow yourself to be prideful. We should probably be on guard against it. And so what are some ways that, that pride plays out in our lives? Well, we're going to roll through kind of a list of, of, of what pride says versus what humility says and, and the characteristics of that. But I want you to just grab your pen and your paper and be ready to write down which ones stand out to you. Which ones you struggle with the most in your life so that you can begin asking God to change you in that, to free you from that, so that you can experience greater freedom, greater happiness. So what does pride say? Pride says there is no God. This is like the foundational pride statement of, of our generation. It says there is no God. I am the center of my universe. Man, that is the most arrogant thing that we could say. To, to think that, I mean, you look at the solar system that we just saw pictures of, and, and we can only see this much of the night sky and the stars beyond that are billions upon billions. And to think that life functions so perfectly here on this earth, on this planet. You think about how, suns, or how trees grow with the sunlight and with water. And this little tiny seed is planted in dirt. And then the seed expands and grows. And because of the sunlight coming at it, it's able to, to grow into this giant. Like you look at the pine trees that are just outside here. Those started from little seeds. And they grew in You think about how human life is, is created and made. Like, I, I got to watch this baby grow in my wife's womb. Like, there's a, a human being, an alien, growing inside of her. Like, how does that work? How is that even possible? And yet, that, that baby isn't breathing oxygen, per se. Like, it, it's in this, this fluid. And I, I know this is like anatomy class. You don't want to hear any of this. But it, it's incredible to think that. Life continues because of how all of this is set up to work. Like you think about your brain. This, this blows my mind, no pun intended. This is incredible to think about thoughts. Have you ever thought about thoughts? Sounds kind of weird. You have a gelatin, like jellyfish substance inside of this hard skull that allows you to remember things that happened years and years ago, that allows you to creatively think of new ideas and, and new things, that allows you to, to feel emotion and, and to feel love and sadness and, and anger and, and kindness, like all because of this squishy tissue that's inside of your brain. Like inside of your skull is, is this brain meat that, that it, it allows you to do, like, I'm doing this right now because of my brain. Do you, do you guys not understand how incredible that is? It, it's mind-blowing that we're able to have thoughts and we're ha able to have feelings. We're able to, to do things all because of this organ that is inside of our skull. Like, it's mind-blowing. So the, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's Psalm 14, I think. The fool says in their heart, there's no God. Because you just look at creation and you're like, man, there's no way that nothing exploded 
into everything, into billions upon billions of galaxies with billions upon billions of stars. There's, there's no way that there was nothing. And then it, it became everything. And then, oh, by the way, then this, this tiny planet called the Earth is going to be formed uh, just by chance. And over time, these little amoebas are going to, which, where did the amoebas come from? I don't know, but they were there. And, and they're going to become fish, which then become monkeys, which then, like, What? Are you kidding me? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So that's the, the seat of pride, saying there is no God. Well, what, is, what does humility say in these moments? It says, man, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am desperate for God. I am, I am desperate to know the one that created us. I'm desperate to be saved by the one that created us. In our arrogance, we say, there's no God. If there is, I don't need him. I don't want him. Humility, which, which leads to life, says, man, I, I am just a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, would you save me? Would you come be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? And then I'm going to obey you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to pursue you. Pride versus humility. What else does pride say? Well, pride is quick to anger. Like, think about it in your own life. I, I can be quick to anger a, a lot. My wife will attest to that. Man, that's my pride at work. That's my arrogance, thinking that, that I'm owed something, that I'm due something that, that I'm not getting. It's my expectations of what, what I deserve that are not being fulfilled. And that, that is so arrogant of me. What does humility do in that situation? It's slow to anger. It's, it's man, I, let, let me try to seek understanding. Let me, let me ask you, okay, what, what do you feel about this situation? How can I love you better in this situation? How can I change to make life easier for you? How can I serve you and love you in this? Humility says, man, I'm, I'm going to choose to be slow to anger in this. What else does pride do? Well, pride is defensive. Again, my wife will attest one of my key struggles is defensiveness. When she calls me out on things that I'm doing that are hurting myself or hurting her or hurting the kids or hurting uh, the people around me and people I work with like the, that I'm doing that is not loving them well and she calls me out on it, I go straight to defensiveness so often. That's my pride at work. It's my pride that says, I don't need to change. I'm good. Like, maybe you should change, sinner. Like, that, that's my pride. <laughs> like, no, I need to change so much. I have so far to go, and I need Jesus so desperately. I need to change. Well, what does humility do in this situation? It, it receives correction. Humility says, man, I don't know everything, much less most things. I have a lot of blind spots in my life that I can't see. I have a lot of, of bad habits that I've built over the years that, that I just think are okay but I need correction. I need to, to be changed. I need to grow. What else does pride do? Pride is unforgiving. And how are you doing with this? Is there any unforgiveness that you've allowed to build up in your life? That's pride at work in you, saying their sin is worse than my sin. I want to be forgiven, but, but you, I'm not going to forgive you. If I hurt you, I want you to forgive me, but you hurt me, I don't think I'll forgive you. That's, that's our pride at work. Humility says, Man, I'm going to be quick to forgive. I'm going to, 
I'm going to lavish forgiveness on you because I know how much Jesus has forgiven me. I know all that he has done to forgive me, and so I'm going to be quick to forgive others. What else does pride say? Pride says, I'm better than others. Like, think about in your own life, is there any way that you're looking down on other people? Like, man, I wish they were as cool as me. I wish they were as good looking as me. I wish they were as talented as me. If they were, maybe their life wouldn't suck so much. It's like, we, we look at other people and we're like, man, I'm so much better than you. I'm so glad that I'm great. That's pride. That's our arrogance at work within us. What does humility say? And it says, everything that I have is a gift from God. All of my talent, all of my abilities, all of my possessions, all of my, my life, all of my, my body, everything that I've been given, all of my relationships, everything I have is a gift from Almighty God, and I can't take credit for any of it. Pride versus humility in our lives. Pride is also attention-seeking. How many of us struggle with attention-seeking? I do. I just, I want all the credit. I want people to look at me and see how great I am. I want people to, to lift me up in their eyes and to, to be so impressed with who I am. Man, attention-seeking, especially in this culture, is pervasive, indicated by social media. is like just the, the tip of the iceberg. What does humility do? Well, humility wants to exalt God. It says, God, I want you to be glorified in all of my life and everything I do and not me. I don't want the credit. You get the credit. And then it looks to honor others. Man, how are we doing with honoring others, with, with lifting them up, encouraging them, telling them how, how great God is doing things in their lives? We're going to Quickly roll through the last couple. Pride interrupts others. How are you doing with interrupting others? That's a, a key indicator of a prideful person. If, if we're interrupting people all the time, humility defers to people, says, I'm, I'm going to be slow to speak. Pride is self-reliant. says, I don't need God. I don't need people. I can do this on my own. It's, it's the, the action hero uh, mindset of, I'm just going to do everything on my own. By my own strength, I'm going to muster it up, and I'm going to crush all of my enemies. Like this, self-reliant, humility is God-reliant. It means that we pray. It means that we spend time in our word. We're asking God, okay, what do you have to say about this? I don't, I don't know what to do, but I need you to speak into my life. Pride is a self-worshipper. Humility is a God-worshipper, a passionate God-worshipper. Meaning, yes, corporate worship dancing and lifting our hands and, and being on our knees and, and bowing our heads. like our, our bodies respond to the things that we believe. And so if we believe that this almighty God is the one that created us, that loves us, then we need to respond with our worship. I'm going long. Band, you guys can make your way up here. Proverbs 16a says, pride precedes destruction and arrogant spirit gives way to a nasty fall. Quick story of my own arrogance, my own pride preceding a nasty fall. In junior high, I was on the football team and one day coach said, all right guys, we're not going to do practice today. We are going to just have a free day. We're just going to hang out. This was in like off season. And so 
a bunch of us got together, probably 20 of us got together and was like, let's play some football. Like, I don't know, we, we practice football all the time. Why are we playing football? But that's what we did. So we're going to play some football, and let's raise the stakes a little. Let's make this tackle. Because coaches would always say, if you're going to play football, just two-hand touch. We don't want anyone getting injured. We're like, forget that. That's not fun. We're going to play some tackle football. We're, we're men. We're boys. We're going to do this. And so we start gathering teams together, and I get on my team, and I, I, was a, I was a big boy. And so I go to my team, and I'm like, guys, we're playing tackle football. We don't have pads on. People are going to be afraid. Give me the ball. I'm getting the ball, and I'm just going to run people over, and they're going to back up out of the way and bow before my majesty. Like, that was what I told them, and they all agreed. They're like, yes, you are bigger than everyone else. You can do this. We're going to give you the ball. So they gave me the ball. The kickoff happens. They hand me the ball because I was a lineman. I couldn't catch. So the, the, you know, the skinny, fast guy is like, I'm going to catch the ball, and then give it to this guy. And so I'm given the ball, and I take off running, and my plan is working great. Like Most of the team, the opposing team, is doing exactly what I thought. They're backing out of the way. They're like, you know, kind of touching me like, no, I don't want any part of that. And then the last line of defense is a guy that was probably 5'2 and maybe a buck 10 soaking wet. Like, like he, he, he was much smaller than me. I, I was like six foot and probably 200 pounds. And so there, the size difference was just incredible. And so I'm, I'm just running, thinking I got this all together. This guy, who's like half my height, stares me down as I'm running to him. And I'm like, oh, he's not getting out of the way. Oh, he's not. Maybe I should try and juke. And as I'm trying to like get out of the way, he goes for a full-on clothesline, hits me in the chest, and I buckle like this, and my ankle catches the dirt, and rolls out with all of my 200 pounds of weight running full force on my ankle, crash to the ground. My ankle is, is immediately like that. It's the size of a watermelon. Like, it swelled up so quickly. And I had a high ankle sprain. I couldn't walk on it for four months. I had this boot on for four months. Man, laying there in the dirt, I was like... This didn't work out how I planned. This backfired. What was I thinking? My pride preceded my destruction. My arrogance came before my nasty fall. For the next four months, I had to wear the trophy of my pride on my foot in the form of a boot. Guys, if we don't catch this pride in our lives that, that wants to come up, it wants to take over at every opportunity. If we don't catch that, then we're going to be experiencing so many nasty falls in our lives. Guys, we were made for more than self-worship. We were made for God-worship. Self-worship will get you nowhere in life. You will be so alone and, and, and tired and exhausted and unfulfilled but if we will give our hearts completely, wholeheartedly to the God of the universe, the one that spoke all of those billions of galaxies into existence, the one that created you, the one that knows you, the one that is with you 24-7, if we will give him the glory and bow our knees to him and say, God, I need you. I don't want what I can do. I want what you can do. Man, 
we will experience happiness, a happy life. Happy is the person that finds wisdom, but pride leads us to destruction. There's a way that seems right before a man, but its end is death. If we allow these things to control us, and we don't go to God and say, God, what do you think about this? And then obey him in it. We're missing out on the joy. We're missing out on the happiness. And we're experiencing the pain. Let's pull out your cards and your pens. We're just going to quickly respond to the Lord. Is there any ways that God is warning you today? Or that he has been warning you that you haven't been listening to? Are there any ways that God is standing there like I was on the beach with Noel, just trying to keep her from going into the ocean and killing herself? Is there anything in your life that God is warning you on? Whatever it is, write it down. And then ask the Lord, are there any ways that you're walking in pride? Any ways that you're saying you want your own ways and not God's ways? Whatever it is, write out your prayer to the Lord. God, I need you. Change me. Help me. Free me. Forgive me. We're going to continue to respond together. We're going to worship. We're going to bring our tithes and offering. We're going to take communion together. And then we're going to have prayer partners come up to the front. Man, if there's any way that you want to be prayed over this morning, then please come for prayer if God's stirring something on your heart and you're like no I don't want to go up in front of everybody and get prayed for man that, that's that pride saying I don't, want to, I don't want to be vulnerable with people I don't want to look like I don't have it all together but I got news for you none of us have it together I desperately need prayer each and every single day so if you need prayer come up to the front and get prayed over Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you love us enough to keep us from the things that hurt us, that you warn us over and over again to avoid, to flee from sin because you know how much it hurts us and not because you're trying to rob us of happiness. No, you want our greatest happiness in you. So Jesus, would you help us to obey you and to follow you? In your name we pray.